0: Welcome to the Home and Family Culture Podcast, where I discuss how families can discover and design their collective vision, values, beliefs, and traditions that influence their family culture. I'm your host, Jody Chafee. The purpose of my podcast is to interview successful individuals whose success influenced or was influenced by their family culture, and also experts who can offer tips and tools to aid families in their process of developing their family culture. In this episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Mary Ann Johnson. Mary Ann Johnson is the mother of 7 children and has been happily married for 46 years and blessed with 13 grandchildren and is a family connection expert. Her book, Becoming a Present Parent, focuses on what she knows and does best: helping children and parents connect. She has presented her presence concepts in workshops and webinars for over seven years. You can get a free chapter of her new book at becomingapresentparent.com. Her website, maryannjohnsoncoach.com, is an online community reaching thousands of people. She created Family Connection Mentoring and is well known in the homeschool community as the homeschool coach. I had a wonderful chat with Mary Ann, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So, welcome, Marianne. I'm so I'm so happy to have you on the show. <laughs> so good to have you.
1: Really excited to be. Here.
0: <laughs> so, so tell, tell us a little bit more about um, your family. How you fell into this idea of present parenting?
1: It's an it's an interesting story. So my husband and I—I was twenty-one when we married. He was twenty-two. We had our first child one year later, Mm -hmm. and then we uh, fairly quickly added six or five more children. uh, And then we had a big seven-year gap. And when I was forty years old, we had our last daughter. Oh wow! My husband comes from a family—a wonderful. He had a wonderful mom and dad, but his father was an alcoholic. And so he came into our marriage with some significant baggage. Mm. I also come from a really wonderful family. I have great parents, but my own personal family had some um, dark secrets, some abuse and other things, and I experienced that. So I came into our marriage with a big bag of stuff. Uh We are both very religious, very spiritual people, and I guess... What we thought was that if we just uh, were good people, all would be well. Frankly, parenting was very challenging for Don and I. Mm -hmm. Um, Having children over a 39-year span is how long we had children in our home was an exceptionally long time. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of housekeeping that we needed to do in our own individual lives, which made... uh, parenting a little challenging for us I look at our seven children now and they're really wonderful people but we had four children who struggled with um, drugs mm-hmm. uh, we have we had one child who struggled a little bit with alcohol we have one child that is gay mm-hmm. um, I don't think any of that came from our parenting because we had a really happy family we went camping we went to church we you know, we did a lot of great things together, but life can be challenging, and our family was challenging. When I moved to Utah from Montana, where we raised our kids, um, I fell into the homeschool community. I started with an educational tool, and as I taught that tool for a few years, I realized that what I was really talking about was, how do we connect with our children in significant ways that bind them to us despite the chaos and the busyness and really some of the hardships of life. As I looked back on my own parenting, I realized the reason we came out on top, which we did eventually, was because we had done some things right. Mm -hmm. But there were a huge amount of things that we hadn't incorporated into our family that we could have had we really known about them. And so I started thinking a lot about that. And and I started talking from that perspective of nobody has a perfect life. There are no perfect families. So, and there's a, as life has uh, evolved, it's gotten busier and busier. It's interesting that we have more things to make life less busy, like washers and dryers and dishwashers. And yet, Technology really has moved us to be far more busy than even our pioneer ancestors. It's true. You know, how do we navigate that? And so that's how that came about. I got so many emails uh, from young mothers and fathers telling me that these very simple, ordinary, practical things that I was teaching were impacting them in such huge and dynamic ways that I, I started thinking, wow, this is really bigger than I thought. And so I set about to write down my feelings, my own experiences. I did a lot of research on what was out there Mm -hmm. and a book evolved called Becoming a Present Parent. And, you know, I just received a I got an email from a young mom just this week who said, I have four small children and I feel like I'm going crazy Mm -hmm. and you give me hope. And I guess my ultimate message is I get it. I know what it's like, but regardless of what you may be dealing with, whatever bag of stuff you have in your life that you have to work through you can come out on top and you can have more joy in the process if you will just make a slight shift in how you think about what it is that you're doing. So basically that's how it came out and how it came about and a little bit about our family. I think it's really important for people to know that I don't have a perfect family and that Mm -hmm. it wasn't easy because then they can say, well, it's easy for you to say, right. (laughs) But what I want to say is, Wow, you had some struggles and you and it still worked out for you. Oh gosh. Okay, maybe it can work out for me too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you said that it it can be something so simple. I mean, I think that families um they they think there has to be this big grand performance or or big big aha moment that's going to completely change their lives. But actually, it's just taking what you already have and working with it to create something that you can envision for your family and, and become be, and I like that it's a practical applicable thing that you're teaching and, and presenting to people. I love that.
1: Yeah. I noticed when I was doing my research just to see what was out there already, that a lot of it is wonderful, but not very doable. Right. In a busy family. It's just, it's great counsel. It's great advice, but it's not doable. And in my experience, Consistency is the number one key to success. If you just can do a few simple, small things consistently long enough, you can get the result you're looking for. And so, you know, that's the premise I come from. Okay, let's look at what's doable and
0: can you do it for the next
1: 39 years
0: yeah I love that because you're right when I, I read a lot of parenting books and like self-help books and a lot of times when I'm reading them I end up feeling kind of discouraged because there's this cognitive dissonance between what I've read and what my reality is <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's and it's hard to grasp and wrap yeah. your mind around it but you're right when you start applying things in small increments it's so much easier to be consistent and that consistency over time is really what produces the change that you want to see it's not easy to do this grand overnight change but when you because because it's too hard you'll you'll just quit you know but if you if you think about things in smaller bite-sized portions it's so much more applicable and easier and you can do those small changes daily that will produce the change that you want to see that's awesome so marianne how do you define family culture
1: well, you know, I when I when I was writing the book, I need I knew I needed to talk about family culture. I'd I'd actually um, written and had some articles written on my website about um, creating family mission statements, mm-hmm. um, which are about creating family culture. But I mm-hmm. didn't know how to define it, so I I had to go do a little research and say, okay, this thing that I know that I I understand, how do I really? help other people know what it is. Mm -hmm. And I came up with some of the most interesting things. I think the biggest thing for me was there were a number of writers out there with large families, Warren Rustin, for example, who has like seven children like me, was an NBA um, player, who said, well, building a family is like building a business. And if you're talking about business culture, everybody gets that. Okay, we're going to make sure everybody in our business organization knows how we function. Mhm. What what do we value here? What do we not tolerate here? Mm-hmm. What is the outcome we want? Every business that's successful has that. And I thought, well, okay, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say instead of creating a business culture, we're going to bring that into our homes and say, okay, what do we value here as a family? What do we want our outcome to be? And what what are we not going to have here? Yeah and how are we going to manage that so that everybody knows what it is so we're reminded every single day here we are back to consistency with small things mm-hmm. every day so that we can actually get the outcome that we want my husband and i just flew by the seat of our pants and i just want to say flying by the seat of your fa- pants as a family is a is a rough way to travel yeah there's no <laughs> comfort in that you know you want kind to be on of a jet with seats mm-hmm. <laughs> family culture Add seats to your plane. It gives you mm-hmm. some cover. It's not like flying in those old planes that, you know, were open to the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just gives you some comfort in the journey. And so a family culture is nothing more than deciding what do I want my family to look like and feel like? More yeah. importantly, feel like. What do I want my family to feel like?
0: Yeah, and I mean when you talk about business culture, they're very intentional about it, and they know what I mean. And everybody knows what their family, what their corporate culture feels like, you know, because they go to work and either they want to be there and it's fun or it's light and or it's inviting, or they don't and it's miserable. You know, everybody can pinpoint that feeling when they go to work, but when some, some for some reason when you come home, it's hard to pinpoint that that feeling. Why? Where is this coming from? And and how can we be intentional about it? But we don't think about it until we start to think that we do need to be intentional. It's an, there was a quote in your the, the what you sent me that there was a difference between the design family culture and the default family culture, and I really liked that. So there's a there's a big difference. The see, flying by the seat of your pants is the default because right. culture is going to be there no matter what, whether you design it or you fly by the seat of your pants, it's still going to be there. So let me give you an example. Yeah. So I do a lot of
1: one-on-one mentoring, and I'll have moms who will say, um, well, one of my triggers is is dinner time. It, I just always feel so mad when I get to dinner time. And so I'll say to them, well, what is your system for Uh, meals. And they'll say, well, we don't have a system. And I'll say, well, then just tell me what it looks like. And they'll say, well, I walk into the kitchen and I think, oh my gosh, what am I going to fix? And the kids are running everywhere and people are getting in the fridge. And I keep saying, I'm getting dinner. Just wait. (laughs) They're explaining it to me. And I say to them, well, that's your system. It stinks, but it is your system. It's your default system. So what would you like it to look like? And family cultures like that. You have a family culture. It may stink Mm -hmm. because you haven't planned it. You've just let it happen. Yeah. But you can change it. You can say, well, okay, this is what our family culture looks like. It feels, it feels, I don't like how it feels. What would I like and how would I like to feel? And then what would it
0: be required to have that happen? Yeah. So that would be the first step then is defining what is going on in your family culture now and then define what you want it to look like. Is that. Yeah. Would would you say that would be the first step?
1: Yeah. So the very first step. um, So the thing I counsel people to do first is to think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Think about. What does it feel like now? What do I like about my family? What don't I like about my family? What feels good? What doesn't feel good? What's working? What's not working? And then for parents to talk. So one of the things Don and I didn't ever do was talk. We never talked about discipline until we needed to discipline. And then we disagreed in front of our kids. Right. I was, <laughs> I was more strict than he was or, you know, whatever the situation. And so... Parents need to talk after you've made your individual lists about, you know, what does it look like? How does it feel? Then talk about it. Well, why doesn't this feel okay to me? It, what feels not okay to me might feel okay to my spouse. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about that. Well, who, why doesn't it feel okay to you and it feels okay to me? And is there a place we can come together so this thing, this part, would feel okay for both of us? So the first thing is you've got to think and talk just among the two adults. Mm-hmm. A lot of times in my uh, one-on-one mentoring, it's interesting. People will come to me to mentor about their kids, but what we do, what we always get to is it isn't the kids that are the problem. It's what is being modeled for them. Yep. It's the parameters and boundaries that are either in place or not in place. Yeah. And it, that's causing the problem. Systems that have been designed and systems that are by default. Once parents get themselves together, the rest, Tends to fall into place much
0: easier. True, truth. That's so. What about um, families who? It's just the one. So
1: if you're a single parent, it's the same process, yeah. except you just have yourself. Now you can bounce things off of your a parent, your parent, uh-huh. mom, you know, or dad, or a good friend. But mostly, it's still you. You are the. Parent in the home, so you think. Well, why doesn't this feel okay to me? Why are my kids responding this way? What is happening that's allowing this contention or this feeling? Or what? What is the feeling I would like to have when I come home? How do I want my kids to feel when they come home? It's still the same process of thinking about what is, mm-hmm. what you would like, what's realistic, what's not realistic. If we're looking for for, for perfection. There's no family culture in the world that exists in that space. (laughs) That's not realistic. So we're never going to have a time when there won't be contention or there won't be an argument or somebody won't refuse to do their chores. I mean, those things just happen. But our family culture is actually separate from that. Mm. In, In our family, we serve each other. So if a child is, um, not willing to do something then you can pull that and say we've decided
0: as a family to embrace can you define intention for us and and how you know there's 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 this vision and there's intention and then sometimes it's different from your reality but how does your intention and your vision help you to shape your reality okay so i'm going to actually read you the definition
1: of intention and i went to webster's 1828 dictionary because i have found that's I can get a better definition there than some of our more modern views of things. So in uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary, it says that intention is a design, a purpose, the fixed direction of the mind to a particular object or a determination to act in a given manner. So that's the end of the definition. So ultimately it's the end or aim or the object that you're trying to accomplish. So in your family, what are you trying to accomplish? What is your aim? You've got to be clear about that. It can't be uh, nebulous, high in the sky. You've got to know. So, let's say, for example, one of your aims is that your family members will always serve one another. Mm-hmm. Let's say that's it, and and you have a day where your children are not being cooperative and they're doing a lot of aren't following through on their responsibilities that's when you can gather them together and say because your whole family knows the intention in some way every day your family's reminded of your culture your intention mm-hmm. and uh and there are ways to have that happen and so you say to your children guys what is one of the main things we do in our family and somebody's for sure going to say, Well, we serve one another. And then you could say, Well, how is that looking today? Mm-hmm. Are we serving one another today? Are we, so how could we better serve each other today? Well, I could stop teasing Mary. I could pick up my blocks the way you ask me because the whole family knows the intention. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't change the fact that you're going to have a day where everybody's not doing the, where they're not following through on the intention, yeah. but you can bring them back without going in the room and saying, you guys, why are we having a day like this? Uh-huh. Why, you needed—that We've yeah. all been there. You know, we've all done it. <laughs> um, where we can call our family together and remind them of the intention of our family and then carry on. And over time, over the 18 to 39 years that you have kids, depending on how many you have, you will achieve the intention ultimately, which is to serve one another. Now, I want to say there was a wonderful um, story that I used in my book, and let me see if I can – I can't find the name of the man who said it, but he said anything good we want to do is like driving in your car and coming to a red light. Mm -hmm. You know that if you run into 10 red lights on your way to work, you're still going to get to work, right? But in our family, if we have a day like I just described, we think, oh, my gosh, my family's going to, you know, where in a handbasket. <laughs> the truth is it's a red light day.
0: Mm-hmm. Tomorrow,
1: And for the next week, it's green lights. And then you're going to have another red light day. But over the years that you parent, if you are intentional about what you want to see happen in your family, you're going to get there regardless of the red light days. Yeah, And so we don't have to beat ourselves up on red light days. We just say, oh, my gosh, we're having a red light day.
0: <laughs> well, and I think, too, sometimes we just, sometimes I think our families need to have a pause or a break. I mean, we don't want to have a red light day, but I think sometimes if there's something happening, we need to honor it and reevaluate or, or honor the needs that are happening in that moment sometimes. So it's like sometimes... Uh, if, if we're having a rough day or mom's extra tired or something, then maybe it's like I need to take a break from today. I think that will and then come up with something that will help honor what it whatever it is that somebody needs. like if if your routine is normally to uh, rush around, go run errands, go to play dates or things, but then you're having a red light day and you go, you know what, maybe we need to just stay in and read books or color or paint or do things that are going to honor whatever it is we need for this day so that then we can start over again tomorrow. Would you say that that would be an effective way of honoring, you know, continuing with that vision without losing what it is that your intention is? But then, because I think sometimes we encounter these red light days and go, oh, no, I'm failing. But, But if we can look at it in a way and say, you know what, it's okay. This is just, like you're saying, it's just... This is just a stoplight. We're still on the right path. We're still on the right road, but let's just take this day and honor whatever it is that we need.
1: So if we, have, if, we have, if we have an intentional design for our family culture, we know where we're going. What is our ultimate goal? Then when we have those red light days, and let me say that we can have red light weeks and we can have red light years. Mm-hmm. So if you have a new baby, you're having a red light year <laughs> because right? that thing, and you're pregnant. So that's, you know, for a good year, you're going to be a little off kilter. It's just the way it is. But over the long haul, if you understand what it is you're trying to accomplish in your family, what you want your family to feel, feel like, then you can honor that. You can say for the next nine months while I'm pregnant, I'm not going to be getting up at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be getting up at five. I'm going to get up at seven and get my kids out by eight if they're going to public school or whatever, and then I'm going to crash into bed for an hour Mm -hmm. when that isn't your normal thing. But you're okay with that because you realize it's not going to ruin my family and you can talk about it. Part of having a family culture is discussing with your family. You can say to your family, you know, we're having a new baby. The next nine months are going to be a little different Mm -hmm. and going to make some adjustments. Now everybody's on the same page and they know this is a red light, year we're having and we don't feel like failures uh because we can't carry on the way we were Mm -hmm. but we know that for this period of time but the intention for our family never changes and we're clear what that is now can I just say here that for um religious families Mm -hmm. and I'm speaking as one Mm -hmm. we kind of think because we have a religion because we go to church every Sunday that that is our family culture can I just say that it's not okay It's what you've been taught, it's what you believe, it's what you want to have happen, but have you as a family sat down and said, well, in terms of real words and actions and feelings, what does that look like? Okay, so my personal religion, I might uh, believe that my family is going to be kind, and my family is uh, eternal, and my family is this or that or whatever, but I have to bring it home and say to my kids, okay, in our family... One of the things we're always going to remember is that we're going to be together forever. And so we really want to teach each other, treat each other kindly. We need to support each other. So in our family, we support each other
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we're going to be together forever. You see the difference in just this, because my husband and I were very religious. We were very spiritual. Mm-hmm. We had this idea of what we wanted. to our life and our family to be but we and and our kids were going to the same church and so they're hearing it too yeah didn't bring it home and say for our family this is how we're going to make this happen this is what it's going to look like in our
0: family so what you're saying is that uh the the church culture isn't necessarily your culture but what you bring home from church is what you you know, you you have faith, you have your religion, but if, if you're not bringing it home and discussing it or incorporating it into your family culture, then it's just, it's not gonna happen. I have a friend like that, that there, when I was growing up, um, you know, that we went to the same church and their parents were active in the church, but their mom felt like uh, she couldn't, quote unquote, force her children to be faithful or religious and so she wouldn't ever like her, the dad would bring up oh let's have these family meeting or let's have these family prayers or let's have these scripture study time and the mom would go no you're forcing it on our kids and then none of their kids grew up going to church anymore and so it's it was an interesting it's it's interesting to observe that where it's like while the parents did believe and they had faith and they had religion they they we're afraid to exercise or practice it at home. And so, and so, but it comes down to, for me, when I was observing this, it came to down to consistency because the dad would just, and my dad would do this too. He's so funny. He would just like spring it on us. Hey, we're going to have family scripture time and go, Oh, not again, you know, because it wasn't a practice for our family. Right. And uh, so basically, are, are you saying that in order for a family culture to be religious you need to just you need to bring it home and not necessarily depend on the church to to be to, to teach your family or to shape your family. So what I'm saying is if
1: you are a religious or spiritual family and you have some kind of religious or spiritual practice that you do regularly, like going to church that that is not enough. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So let me use a non-religious example. Okay. Let's say that what you and your husband really value is honesty and integrity. Mm -hmm. Those matter to you. And let's say your church teaches that you should be honest and that you should have integrity. Mm -hmm. But what has to happen is in your family, you say to your family, in our family, we are honest, and we have integrity. What does it mean to have integrity? It's a discussion your family has. And then let's say that your child um, swipes something when you're at the Ben Franklin store. Mm -hmm. And two days later, you find a toy that you don't notice, and you take to them and say, where did this come? And they hang their heads and say, well, when we were at Ben Franklin, I took it. Then instead of yelling and spanking and Feeling like a failure of a parent with whatever your response is, you say to your child, oh, Jack, what do we believe in our family? What does our family do? We're honest. Yes. We do as a family. So today we're going to go back to Ben Franklin and you're going to pay for this toy. And then you're going to have to do some jobs for me to get the money back. You've decided how you want your family to feel mm-hmm. and the values that you want your family to incorporate. Mm-hmm. You bring those, fa- you bring those uh, values into your home. You don't depend on a church to teach them. You teach them. And you're not forcing people. You can't force a person to be honest. Uh-huh. Right? Right. But what you can do is when a person makes a mistake and is dishonest, you can remind them, well, in our family, we're honest because you want them to be honest. Yeah. So in our family, for example, we had um, we had prayer every morning together as a family. And uh, we did it early because our dad went to work early and I wasn't trying to force religion on my kids. But I did know that going the world is a tough place. And that in our family, we prayed. And so we would wake them all up at 6.30 and our older kids would be like this on the edge of the bed. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You know, they were thinking, I don't know what this is about. But when I ask my kids now, you know, what are some of your best memories? One of my daughters, one of the ones who struggled with drugs said, you know, mom, what I remember is that we prayed together. And if we didn't know where you were, we could always find you in the bedroom on your knees because those were some tough years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she said, that made, that really mattered to me. I knew that our home was safe and that, and that I would be safe there. So it wasn't about teaching religion. It was about a feeling I, that Dawn and I wanted to create in our house. We're thinking about them. We're asking for help for them. We're sending them out into a tough world, knowing they're going to come back and, it's, and they're going to be okay. And during some really hard years, When they were out there in the world and they weren't okay, they knew that when they came home, it was going to be okay. I remember one night, so I'll just give you another example. Um, One of my daughters who was using drugs came home way late at night. And of course I was waiting for her. And when she came in, I said to her, and she was high as a kite. I remember saying to her, you missed family prayer. So let's just have it now. And there we were at like two or three in the morning, kneeling by the bed, um, and she's, you know, and she's going, mom, ah! mm-hmm. and and I was able at that time to say, I love my daughter, and I'm asking you to take care of her and to help us have a good night, and to be okay tomorrow. You know that daughter and I have a pretty tight relationship now, and part of it is that it's the culture we had that she knew when she came in our house there was a certain feeling that was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I feel that through 12 really long, hard years, it was that, even though Don and I hadn't created a, a an intentional family culture, there were a few things we did so consistently that our kids could depend on them and it tied them to us. Mm-hmm. Well, let me give you one more example, just because I want people to understand that yeah. An intentional family culture, is super, super powerful. Our culture wasn't even intentional, but there were a few things we did so consistently. So we had one son who would come home. He left home and and he didn't really live at home starting in about ninth grade. And he was in and out and he'd come home periodically and he'd say, I hate being here. I hate you and dad. Oh, our family's i hate our family and <laughs> and and my husband and i really just would bite our tongues and say well we're so glad you're here for right now well i hate being here and then but he'd hang around and then he'd go back out on the street or to live with a friend or whatever he was doing and that that was like that for uh quite a few years i want you to know that that son is super super connected to don and i He's, he's in his mid forties. Now he calls home. He talks with us the other day. He's, so he's gone back to college. He's going to become a professor of philosophy of all things. Mm -hmm. And he's doing really well, but it's tough to be in college at 47 years or, you know, 44 years old, um, trying to do what kids do at 21. And he called me just recently and he was in tears and he said, mom, I'm just having a tough time. And and we talked about what he could do and and what would be helpful. And when he when we hung up, I remembered all the times he came home and said, "I hate this family. I hate you, <laughs> you and dad." He came home because there was a feeling there that in the midst of his despair and his challenging choices, he needed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the value of And our culture, like I say, wasn't very intentional, but we did have these few practices that we did so consistently that they could be counted on and they created a feeling of safety and he needed that. And now at 44 years old, he can call, he's free to call home in tears and say, man, I just, I just need to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And so some people don't, intentionally have a family culture because they think it's going to be too hard. I have teenagers. They're not going to want to do it. I have little kids. They can't really participate. None of that is really the truth. Yeah. And it will be so worth it regardless of the difficulties your family experiences. If you will just take a little time and think and talk to your spouse, if you've got one, and organize your thoughts and then go to your family and say, here's what I'm thinking and get their thoughts. And then you as the adult come up with a final draft. And I always say, write it down. Yeah. Write it down. It can be one sentence. I've seen family uh, mission statements or family statements of intent, whatever you call them as short as one line and as long as 20, you can do what works for your family, but then it's, it's on your wall or everybody has a little, it's on the bathroom mirror typed out or everybody's memorized it if it's short enough so that you can remind your family about it. Well, in this family, this is what we do.
0: Yeah, This is how we are. Yeah. That would be helpful too of if, if kids who go, oh, well, their family does this. And you go, well, that's not what our family does. Or we're, in our family, we do this and every family is different and that's okay. Because every family does, yeah. it will have their own family culture. Every family will have uh, whatever different values and intentions that they have for their families. And when you start recognizing what your family intention is, that makes it easier for you then to to be able to solidify what your family identity is apart from whatever else is going on in anybody else's family or in the world and any other things that may be confusing in our in our general culture outside of our family if you have uh, your own family culture
1: you always honor everyone's opinions and ideas within a family culture so if your child comes to you and said well this is what they do in their family Mm. that's when you can say that's interesting Mm. maybe we should Talk about that. And now you bring that to the family and say, you know, so and so's thinking this is pretty good. How do we feel about that? Do we do that in some way? Because if you think about a business, they review their culture periodically. Mm-hmm. And if they need to make a change, make something better, they make a change. So a family statement of intent, an intention is open for revision every now and then because. We grow, we change, we learn new things and we might want to add or we might want to take something out. And so a family statement of intent or a family culture that's defined for a family doesn't mean this is it and it can never be changed. It just means for now, this is it. Okay. And we can, we can revisit
0: it. And you can revisit it on those red light days too. And red light weeks and months and years. There you go. You know, let's f- figure out what's really going to be working. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you Definitely. so much, Marianne. I really, you, this was awesome. And I really appreciated your, your insights about family culture. It's something that I think has been, yeah, very, very useful. Um, tell us one more time where our audience can find you and learn more about you and also order your book about present parenthood.
1: So you can go to maryanne johnsoncoach.com and I, I have a ton of articles there that uh, are helpful when it comes to being a present parent. And you can also go to becoming a com, and there you can get a free chapter of the book on touch points. If you have contention in your family, you're going to love this chapter. And you can also, uh, there's a link there where you can order the book or you can go on Amazon and order it
0: and you can find it in most bookstores too. So, Awesome. Thank you so much, Marianne. This episode has really had me thinking since I've had this discussion with Marianne. I've been thinking a, lo- a lot about this idea of family culture by default or by design. And I was telling a friend of mine about my discussion with Marianne and how she said that they did so much by the seat of their pants when they first started out, and that that's not how she recommends developing your family culture. But then my friend said, well, that some people prefer to live that way. They want to be spontaneous. They want life to be a little bit messy. But then that's the thing. If that's what they have decided, then that is their family intention. Like an organized mess. It's still a design. So it's a lot like what Marianne said, that you may have red light days, weeks, months, or even years, but when you communicate those instances with your family, you still have a family intention, and you're all on the same page with that intention. But then this got me thinking about how you can be intentional about your family culture when mom or dad has depression or chronic illness, because the struggle is real. Even when you are suffering or struggling with to function on a daily basis, you don't want your kids to suffer too. Just because things aren't ideal, you can still have a family culture by design with communication and consistency. You can still have an intention if you evaluate what you are still able to do, such as show love with hugs and affirmations or maintain a feeling of openness and vulnerability you can communicate with your family what the, the, the intention is going to look like until things are different. Just remember, you and your child were meant for each other. Somehow, you have just what they need to thrive. So what does your family culture look like? What does your family intention look like? You can go on to my show notes at www.homeandfamilyculture.com and you can download the PDF that Marianne created just for you about how to design your family mission statement. So I hope you go on the website and check that out and check out all my show notes. You can listen to this episode either on my website or you can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn. And you can even go on to YouTube because I upload the episodes onto YouTube as well. So go check it out. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and I'd really appreciate if you could like or share or comment. I'd really love to have your feedback and maybe suggestions for a topic that you would like to hear about family culture. And thank you. I just really appreciate you listening. Thank you for your support.